Woods Farms and Estates team latest podcast, Have You Heard? Today I'm joined by colleagues Nicholas Smale and Peter Griffiths and we're going to talk to you about capital allowances and tax relief on capital expenditure. My name is Nick D and I lead the Farms and Estates team at Hazelwoods and I'm just going to ask first of all Nicholas and then Peter just to introduce themselves. Thank you Nick. So yes, I'm Nicholas Smale. I um, work primarily with landed estates and landowners and I come across this subject quite a lot when looking at people's tax returns, obviously to try and minimise the amount of income tax they're paying. Thank you, Nick. My name is Peter Griffiths. I'm a tax director in the Farmers and Estates team, and I do a lot of capital allowances work, particularly in relation to commercial farming businesses. Okay, thanks very much. So we've got two people with very relevant expertise here, and we're just going to chat through the whole subject of how you obtain tax relief um, for capital expenditure, typically in a farming business, you know, it could be it could be anything. But we're going to try and talk and use examples from landowning and farming businesses. Right, Nicholas, just to get us started, what are capital allowances? So as you've just said, really, they're, they're the tax relief that's available on capital expenditure. Many of our listeners will probably be familiar with depreciation, but actually HMRC don't allow that when doing the tax computation because the um, business owner can choose what rate they depreciate assets at. So instead of depreciation, we have the capital allowances regime. Okay, so capital allowances are giving us tax relief, tax relief against income for capital expenditure. Um, Pete, why are capital allowances an important tax relief for farming businesses to consider, particularly at the moment? Well, they enable tax relief to be claimed on qualifying expenditure um, the expenditure may have already been incurred, but also businesses are looking to invest in qualifying expenditure on such things as plant and machinery. They need to be aware of the reliefs available because this may influence when future expenditure is made to ma- maximise the reliefs available. So that makes good sound business planning, actually. They want to know what tax relief they're going to get before they incur that expenditure. Correct. And, it, and if it's significant, we would always suggest they speak to their advisors in advance of doing that. Okay, so just to get us all thinking in the same direction, what types of expenditure qualify for capital allowances? If I use an example of a farming business, um, expenditures generally classed as either revenue or capital. Revenue expenditures such as repairs will usually be deducted for for tax in full in the profit and loss account in the year of expenditure, while capital expenditure on items used in the business may obtain tax relief over a number of years through capital allowances. However, some capital expenditure may only receive a tax deduction when the asset is sold. So, for example, the cost of land. A good example of revenue and capital expenditure in relation to a farming asset would be a tractor. If a business owns a tractor which requires repairs to the engine, then this expenditure would be allowable as a full tax deduction in the year of expenditure as a repair. However, when the tractor is actually purchased, that is classed as capital expenditure and a tax relief is only available through the capital allowances regime. It's not, not just farming businesses that will qualify. So I've got a lot of clients where they might have, say, furnished holiday lets, <clears throat> and there's an, a lot of expenditure within a, a furnished holiday let that can also claim capital allowances, be that the actual the furnishings, but we can also look at other things such as the heating, hot and cold water systems, and all that type of stuff. So while we're talking principally about farming business, any diversified business, we'll also have the opportunity to make a claim. Okay, so there's quite a range of things that might qualify to capital expenditure that might qualify for capital allowances. So that goes a bit beyond the movable equipment such as a tractor, does it, Pete? Agreed. 
Uh, what Nicholas just alluded to there, in, in certain circumstances, capital allowances can also be claimed on eligible expenditure within the building, which is effectively part of the building, but performs a function such as heating, ventilation, electrical and water systems. These are known as fixtures and integral features. A good example in the farming sector would be a poultry building. All of the movable equipment, such as feeders and drinkers, which could be moved from building to building very easily, would qualify for capital allowances. But in addition, all the heating, ventilation, electrical and water systems that are within the structure of the building were also qualified and this can be very significant, can be up to approximately half the cost of the building. So although tax relief is obtained for these items over a slightly longer period than movable equipment, um, it's very good uh, when you actually incur expenditure on a building to identify these items so that the relief can be maximised. Okay, so we've got two or three examples there. We've got movable equipment, such as a tractor. We can all recognise that. Then we've got other sort of equipment that's included within the cost of a, in cost of a building. Um, Nicholas, there's been a couple of cases recently, haven't there, which probably have extended the tax relief available. Yeah, so one, one of the things that did count was a silo. And typically with grain handling equipment, we used to see a lot of silos. As things have kind of moved forward, now we tend to see rather more what we might term as a flat grain store. So probably to most people it would look like a shed. Um, but if it's got, say, a drying floor or um, underground vents, which enable pillars to then be put up so that air can be drawn through the grain, then actually the building is being designed specifically for a purpose of, of drying the grain. And in that scenario, the whole building itself would be seen as a temporary silo effectively and capital allowances can be claimed on the entire cost of the building. Another good example uh, linked to that would be where if a business is say uh, constructing a brand new cold store where it's effectively one piece of plant and in those circumstances it should be uh, possible to claim capital allowances of plant and machinery on the whole cost of the building. So we're looking upon a cold store as one giant fridge. Correct. And we're saying that's the whole thing, it's a piece of equipment, and that in the right circumstances, the taxpayer should be able to claim capital allowances, tax deduction against profits in subsequent years from that expenditure. Correct. And that would be at a, at a faster rate, because something we'll talk about later with, uh, with the rates of relief, something that's regarded as movable plant and equipment actually gets relief at a faster rate than things that are regarded as integral to a building. Okay, let's hold the thought about what rate of expenditure we're going to get and let's just keep going with the whole things about what, what expenditure qualifies for capital allowances. Um, Pete, you were talking earlier about the example of a poultry building. Is there anything there that you think would add to the discussion at this stage? Yeah, um, our older listeners may rec recall something called agricultural buildings allowance and industrial buildings allowance, which was abolished a number of years ago, but in 2018 HMRC helpfully introduced a new relief called structures and buildings allowance which allows a deduction for the cost of a building. So when I mentioned earlier that we would expect approximately half of the cost of a new poultry building to qualify for capital allowances, the remaining cost of that building should generally be, uh, qualify for what's called structures and buildings allowance which would allow tax relief on the actual structure. Um, the relief spread over a much longer period of plant and machinery but again the relief is there so it makes sense to claim it. Uh, and so when you are analysing the cost of the building, you need to establish what's available for plant machinery and what's available for structures and buildings allowance. But usefully, despite the name, um, relief is also available on things that are neither a structure nor a building. So for example, um, if a business puts a new access road in, um, or does earthworks or 
installs a new reservoir, then that should be also eligible for structures and buildings allowance. So clearly the nature of the expenditure makes quite a big difference when we come to talk about the rate of um, tax relief available. Sorry, Nicholas. The structure and buildings allowance is also available for landlords. So if you're constructing um, a building, a commercial building that's going to be let, then the landlord can claim the SBA on that too. So if, if it's a landlord putting up a new, a new shed for their tenant and they're receiving rent for that, then they too can claim the relief. So it doesn't just have to be someone who's actually trading from the building. But what I would add is that the relief is, is never available in, in inverted commas of residential setting. So for example, if you had a furnished holly letting business and you built a mini golf course in the garden, for example, you wouldn't get the relief. Whereas if you were a golf course business and you, and you built a new golf course, structures and buildings allowance should be available on, on, on large parts of that course. Right, okay. <clears throat> so it's, it's reassuring to know that there is a sort of a mechanism by which um, the taxpayer can claim tax relief on capital expenditure. Clearly the nature of the capital expenditure will have quite well, will have, will be fundamental in determining which category expenditure falls and then presumably the rate of relief. Um, Pete, do you want to give us a bit of a, a sort of a summary of the rate of relief, the speed at which tax relief is available, and then we can talk about some of the more implications, some of the more details. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the rate of relief is, is determined uh, by the type of the asset. So, for example, a tractor or any other movable equipment referred to as main pooled expenditure obtains annual writing and down allowance on a reduced imbalance basis of 18%, while fixtures and integral features in buildings referred to often as special pool expenditure obtain relief over a longer period at a rate of 6%. Okay, can I just stop you there then? So we're talking about general general capital expenditure, movable plant, well, plant and equipment, 18% per year. And for the special pool, what's an example of special pool? Again, uh, electrical systems, water systems, heating and ventilation. So some things are actually part of a building. Okay, so the rate of relief there is available at 6%. 6 but then I guess what you're going to come on and tell us about, because we're much more interested in the 100% relief that we've all been talking about over the last few years. So where's what happens there? Well, that's referred to as annual investment allowance. Uh, and the, the actual limit of that allowance uh, has been going up and down in recent years, but it's now been fixed for the foreseeable future to a million pounds. So, for example, if a, if a business went out and bought a tractor for a very expensive tractor for a million pounds, it, it, <laughs> it, it could obtain a full tax deduction in the year of expenditure. But similarly, uh, the integral features which um, have writing down allowance at a lower rate, they are also eligible for that mi million pound allowance. So, for example, if you built a new building, a poultry building, again, good, good example, and uh, incurred £500,000 of expenditure on heating and ventilation, that would get a full deduction tax deduction in the year of expenditure. Okay, and each business is entitled to this £1 million limit, is it? Um, in broad terms, yes, but if you have uh, related businesses, so for example, um, a partnership would qualify for a million pound allowance, and if the same individuals owned a company, that would that company would also qualify for the million pound allowance. But if you had three companies, say, and they all operated from the same address and did similar activities, the million pounds would be spread over those three companies. There are, are there restrictions if you've got trustees, so the trust, trustees, if they're trading, they can't claim the annual investment allowance. And equally, if you've got a partnership, which has either got a company or a trustee as a partner in that partnership, then unfortunately they can't have it either. So there are a few restrictions that have to be watched for. Right, okay. So probably 
to summarise where we've got to so far then, worth checking with your advisors what ne- what tax relief will be available on expenditure prior to incur- prior to incurring it, and then planning going forward. Um, clearly, plan to use the annual investment allowance, one hundred percent relief where you can. I should think though, if you're claiming one hundred percent relief on lumpy bits of capital expenditure, that's going to make your taxable profits go up and down quite a lot, isn't it? Well, yes, but um, y- you could create um, an allowable loss to carry forward by that, or. Uh, um, and also, uh, with a bona fide farming business, could um, could allow averaging, which uh, which may effectively uh, mean you get uh, a, a refund of tax that's paid in previous years when profits were taxable profits were higher. Okay, so again, a little bit of farming knowledge from your advisors will put the whole thing in context and allow you to maximise tax relief. Correct. Okay. Um, one of the things that does come up at the moment is, well, especially at the moment when it's so difficult to actually spend on capital equipment with the difficulty of, of um, or the long lead times between ordering and actually obtaining things, when is the relevant date that you incur capital expenditure in these circumstances? Uh, generally, the legislation says it's the date that the obligation becomes unconditional, which basically means when the invoice is issued. So if you bought... Uh, a new tractor before your year end and the, and the invoice was issued before the year end then that would be your um, date for capital allowances purpose but however if um, uh, the obligation to pay that amount is due more than four months after the invoice is issued then you're restricted to what has been paid within those four months okay is that is that the case anyway or is there a diff- is there a different rule if you've actually brought the asset into use no uh, uh, that point you're thinking about there, Nick, is in particular related to assets bought on higher purchase. So in that situation, you have to make sure that you bring the asset into use before the year end to get the full relief where the assets bought on higher purchase. Otherwise, you're restricted to what, so for example, uh, claim capital allowances on the amount of the deposit paid. So generally, if you're paying cash or you're settling the invoice when required to, as long as you pay within four months, the date of the invoice will be the date you incur the expenditure. Correct. And then if you're paying under higher purchase, just run over the rule again, please. Again, um, if you're paying under higher purchase, the asset needs to be in use before the year end to get full relief in that year. So again, if you were a um, an arable farmer and you bought a new combine in October and your year end was December, and that was under higher purchase, it may be difficult to prove that it was in use at the year end. Yes, it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it, to see combines snow ploughing down the road <laughs> to bring in bring into use. But I think you know when things are only used at one particular time of year, I think that must be different. Tractor, presumably, would be a bit easier to demonstrate you brought into use. Undoubtedly. Okay. So, what happens if a business sells something upon which they've claimed capital allowances? Well, again, um, they should really be speaking to their advisors before they do that to 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 um, assess the implications. So, for example. Let's say you bought a tractor for £250,000, claimed full capital allowances under annual investment allowance, and then sold the tractor two years later for £100,000. You'd effectively get a clawback of £100,000, which would mean you'd effectively have potentially £100,000 of chargeable profits. Um, It it could be relieved if you still have um, uh, a tax written down value in your capital allowances main pool, but in, in this day and age, because the annual investment allowance has been so large, Normally, most people exhaust all their qualifying expenditure for capital allowances in a very short period. Hmm. So I guess m- most people would have one pool into which all their expenditure would go. But we do, we do sometimes see examples where, for various reasons, maybe someone's actually incorporating their business, 
So they're selling their assets to themselves, in effect. Um, and in that case, then there are elections that can be made to make sure that you don't get caught out by any nasty tax charges when you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably what we see at the moment is quite a lot of businesses which are expanding quite quickly, whether it's chickens, arable or whatever else, the ta- with 100% tax relief, their tax relief is coming quite quickly and it's probably when they slow down their expansion, so they're not spending so much, that's when the taxable profits sort of drift higher and the tax bills catch up quite quickly. It is. Um, the more interesting and complicated situation is where someone's selling a building on which capital allowances have been claimed. Um, and in that situation, uh, again, if you t- take an example of a poultry building uh, where somebody has um, built a building for a million pounds, for example, and claimed half that expenditure as capital allowances, and perhaps if they've claimed annual investment allowance on that, so there's a tax written down value of nil there, um, when they sell that building, they need to. Um, agree with the purchaser about what value is going to be allocated for tax purposes to those items on which they've claimed capital allowances. Um, otherwise, they could suffer a nasty clawback of uh, allowances. Ideally, the, the vendor wants to l- limit that apportionment to a pound, but that means that the purchaser then can only claim capital allowance from a pound. So there needs to be an agreement there, and normally there's a bit of um, to and fro, and, and, and you'll end up. Uh, at a point agreeable to both parties. So clearly if you're the vendor or the purchaser you need to think about that in advance and try and negotiate whatever is more attractive but presumably what one wants the other one doesn't. Agreed. Okay. Um, Nicholas, we've talked about capital allowances and clearly we're selling a building presumably capital gains tax will come into the picture there. Is there an interaction between the capital allowances and the capital gains tax? There is. Um, <laughs> the way you looked at me then, I thought it was going to be too difficult a question to answer, actually. <laughs> well, it probably... But having given, you, having given you a moment to think about what it is... Shall I ask that for you, Nicholas? <laughs> yes, that would be great, Peter. Okay, thank you. Generally, as long as, as, long as there's a capital gain, no, uh, there's only a restriction if, if the building sold at a loss and there's a clawback then of allowances. Okay, well that's been a fascinating discussion so far on on capital allowances, but if we're talking about capital allowances where we claimed on a building and we end up selling the building, presumably that's got capital gains tax implications. How does that work where you've had claimed capital allowances as well? So potentially there is, but it depends on whether you're selling the building at a gain or a loss. So if it's sold at a gain, then there's not a problem. But if it's sold at a loss, then you do have to restrict that loss and bring some of the proceeds into capital allowances. I guess in many situations, though, we don't well, we don't see a building sold at a loss, do we, very often? No, no. So, so in those situations, as Nicholas rightly said, um, as unusual as it may seem, the uh, fact you claim capital allowances doesn't reduce the cost that you can include in your capital gains tax computation as a deduction. So the taxpayer gets a tax deduction for income tax purposes through capital allowances and then gets another deduction from the same pound of expenditure for capital gains tax? Correct. Excellent news. Do you like to be the bearer of good news on on occasions? Okay, so we've had a run through about the reason why capital allowances are available i.e. so it's a controlled rate of tax relief for the, ta- for the taxpayer. We've talked about the sort of um, expen- expenditure that qualifies for capital allowances, the timing of that expenditure. We've run through the fact that that expenditure includes expenditure within, within buildings and then we've talked about what happens when we sell those. Nicholas, you made the point about that we've got to think in a slightly wider context sometimes with diversified businesses and furnished holiday lets. 
Is there anything that we haven't covered, covered that you think might be useful to cover? I think sometimes something we see a lot of is cars. Um, so there, um, the business owner can claim capital allowances on the cars, albeit that we have to restrict that for private use. Um, the other thing which is full allowances available on is electric cars, particularly where they're in a company. So that's something we're seeing more of. Um, otherwise, I think we covered most of it. Okay, Pete, is there anything else you want to add? I'm going to come back round again for your top tips. So, but any other ge any general sort of information? Just added to what Nicholas said on cars, um, the annual investment allowance is ne uh, never available on a car. The, the point he made about electric cars is it, a specific example for an electric car. So, generally, the annual investment allowance is not available on a uh, full tax deduction for cars. Right, okay. So, we've had a pretty good run through capital allowance in its widest possible sense. One or two examples tying back to the farming situation. If you had one top tip that you'd like people to go away with, what would it be? Pete, you want to go first? Well, I think when uh, businesses are planning expenditure on capital items, they should always speak to their advisors in advance, their tax advisors in advance, to ensure they can maximise their tax relief and also the, the timing of when they can obtain that relief. And then, similarly, when they're disposing of assets, to speak to their advisors. Just to see what the implications are for capital allowances and whether there'll be any clawback. So, is the short version of that speak to your advisor in good time? It would be. Excellent. Nicholas, what's your top tip? So, with furnished holiday lets, very often we see substantial renovation before they come into use as a furnished holiday let. So, it's having the detailed paperwork from your builder to support the claim when it comes to be made. And can I shorten that one down to. Um, trying to think of a short way of saying that because that probably applies to um, detailed expenditure on virtually any building isn't it so whether yeah. it's furnished whole they all the cold stores and things before so um, it's always good to get the paperwork to back up that expenditure in case you need to justify the claim at some point okay so your tip Pete good to speak to your advisor early Nicholas you're going good to have the paperwork to support your claim excellent I do like two punchy titles two punchy <laughs> titles there okay um, that's been our roundup of capital allowances. Uh, we do hope you've found that useful. And on behalf of both my colleague Peter Griffiths and Nicholas, Nicholas Smale, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening. As ever, if you have any questions on anything that we've discussed, please do get in touch with a member of the team. You can find all our contact details on our website, www.hazels.co.uk. Thank you.